Every year in the NFL, it's a new team. As far as goals go, we have one. Putting a fucking ring on our finger. Welcome to the Buccaneers Observer Podcast. This is Ralph Phillips. I'm Molly Bay. Today's December 5th, 2019. We got the... Indianapolis Colts preview today. This has playoff implications for both the Buccaneers and the Colts. They're still in it, in the hunt, but they are two games behind Houston, who has the AFC South for now. And they're a game behind Pittsburgh, which is the sixth seed. And they have the tiebreaker over Indianapolis. So they have to be a game ahead of Pittsburgh. Exactly. So they need to win. And we need to win as well to even stay in the conversation. Right. Yeah, we can't lose nothing. Our playoffs started two weeks ago. We got <laughs> we got to win every game and then pray. <laughs> yeah, need a lot of help. A lot of help. This is a weird team because they're six and six. They've won against the Titans, Falcons, Chiefs, Texans, Broncos, and the Jags. And then they've lost to the Chargers, Steelers, Raiders, Dolphins, Texans, and Titans. They really screwed me with that Dolphins loss because I picked Indy for my survivor pick that week because I don't think the Dolphins had won a game. So you've got extra reason to want to yeah, see them lose. You bastards. They started off five and two, and then they've lost four of their last five. Why? That's a good question. Okay, thank you. Yeah, I don't you know don't why. Have an answer, I have no answer. I didn't know if it was because they've well, lost they, players. Yeah, or... they've dealt with a ton of injuries, specifically to their receiving core. T.Y. Hilton, who's their star receiver, he's been out. He's probably not going to play this week, but they're hopeful he will come back before the end of the season. Paris Campbell is another one. I think he's like two on the depth chart, maybe three. He's been injured. He's on the depth chart this week, and he's been a full participant in practice. So they may get him back. It's been a hand injury. They lost Chester Rogers, who was getting some targets with all the other injuries. He's been placed on IR. So then they just brought up Chad Williams from the practice squad. And then early in the season, they lost Devin Funches to IR. So they've just had a lot of churning there in the last three games, Jacoby Brissett has passer ratings of 76.4, 76, and 74.9, which they're his three of his four lowest of the season. And he's had two touchdowns and three interceptions in that span. Additionally, they lost Marlon Mack, which their run game is pretty good. They're fourth in rushing offense. They average 100, 139 yards per game. Wow. They ain't getting that against the Bucs. No, they might. I mean, they could pro- maybe pop off 70. Wouldn't surprise me, 80 <laughs> maybe. So Marlon Mack's been out with a hand injury, but he returned to practice on Friday or Thursday. So he could play. And then they had their tight end, Ebron. He is out for the season too. So he was a target that they've lost. So Scott Smith, he always does those preview articles, and they're really in-depth, and they're really good. He highlights... The matchups that we should look for. Who is it? Scott Smith on Buccaneers.com. I really like his articles. But this is what he said about 
all the injuries. This weekend, the Colts could be without Marlon Mack, T.Y. Hilton, Paris Campbell, Chester Rogers, and Eric Ebron, a quintet that has been responsible for 17 touchdowns and more than 2,200 yards from scrimmage. Second-year wideout Zach Pas- Pascal, Pascal has stepped up well, but if Hilton and Campbell remain out in Week 14, the rest of the receiving core will be filled out by the very green group of Marcus Johnson, who has 20 career receptions. Ashton Doolin, one career catch, and Chad Williams just promoted from the practice squad. So that could be who we're facing. Damn. But, I mean, they have the run game. And, they, you know, they haven't lost a game by more than one season, by one more than one score all season until their loss to the Titans last week. That was the first game they lost by more than one score. So they've been playing it close all season. Hmm. What's the, what's the most difficult opponent they played? They played the Chiefs and the Texans. Really? Yeah. Damn, they've had a pretty easy schedule. Huh? Yeah, no kidding. They played the Titans, Fal- Titans twice because they're in the same division. The Texans twice. They split with both of them. They played the Jags once. Still have to play them again. And then Chargers, Raiders, Steelers, Falcons. Huh. But they split. They're six and six. So they've lost to the Chargers, the Raiders, the Steelers, the Dolphins, and the Texans and the Titans. So it's not like they're yeah. showing up against bad teams either. So there's hope for us. Oh, there's more than hope. Yeah, we're playing pretty well. <laughs> That's an understatement. Yeah, we're playing well. They are the least penalized team in the league. You took my talking point. Actually, I already <laughs> had it in my notes. Okay. I just forgot about it. They've only turned the ball over 14 times in 12 games. Wow. So their whole team has less turnovers than our quarterback. (laughs) So it's like they don't make a lot of mistakes between turnovers and penalties. It seems like we're not going to get a team that beats itself. We're actually going to have to beat them, which we can do. Did you know the Bucks are 1-4 and at home this season? No, I did not know that. We need to win our last three home games, and we can be at least at 500. Okay. Okay. So it's important. Did you make sure to tell the Buccaneers that? Um, I think they know. <laughs> I hope. <laughs> we'll see. The Buccaneers, this coaching staff has some connections with Indianapolis, of course. Bruce Arians helped draft Peyton Manning at Indy in 1998. He was there for a couple years. He was their quarterback's coach at the time. And then he went to coach under Chuck Pagano there and famously filled in for Pagano when he was out for treatment. Got coach of the year honors for that. Got coach of the year and then left and went to Arizona. Clyde Christensen was there. He went from Tampa Bay to Indy with Dungy. So he was there for 14 years. Our offensive line coach, Joe Gilbert, was from Indianapolis. And then Harold Goodwin was there in 2012 with B.A. and then left to go to Arizona with B.A. So B.A. has some history there. It's a shame we won't get to see him match up against Andrew Luck. But we got Jacoby Brissett, who it seems like he's doing fine. Well, playing behind that offensive line, I think anybody would do fine. Yeah, they have a really good offensive line. That's the star of their team, that offensive line. And it's another reason why they've got such a good run game, too. Offensive line. Yeah, they're ninth in sacks allowed per pass attempt. So they allow a sack 6.14% of the time. For comparison, the Buccaneers are 22nd in that metric, and we allow a sack 8.57% of the time. So less than 2%. Yeah, it's a lot, though. Over. Over. A little over. Yeah. 2%. 
Well, when you consider that the range is probably about two to three percent difference <laughs> between the best so and the we're worst. at the low. Yeah. Well, we're twenty second. Not great, but not last. <laughs> if you ain't first, you last. <laughs> okay, Ricky Bobby. <laughs> Listen to our. These are some interesting rankings, and it just goes to show how head scratching this team has been up until now. We're the fourth scoring offense for comparison. The Colts are seventeenth. Our total offense, we're fifth, and they are 19th. Our passing offense is fourth. They're 26th. Our rushing is 22nd. They are fourth. So it's like in every metric, they're Flipped. at the other end of the spectrum. Yeah. First downs per game. Oh, here's one. We're evenly matched. We are on first downs per game. We are fourth, and they are fifth. Our third down percentage is 15th in the league, and theirs is ninth. Our red zone per touchdown percentage is lower than theirs. They are tied for eighth, where we are 13th. We have the 30th scoring defense. We're moving up. We were last, right? Like, we allow, I think we allow the most points. No, that is that allow the most points? Or I think our so, defense has because, scored points? No, because it says 28.8 points per game. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. yeah. We used to be last. Yeah. yeah we're so we've up. moved up <laughs> two <laughs> spots. <laughs> Their scoring defense is 15th, so they allow 21.4 points per game. They're 13th in total defense, where we're 17th. Yeah, well, look who they've played. I know. My good Lord. And still lost to the Raiders and the Dolphins. The Dolphins. A lot of people are losing to the Dolphins, though. I don't think you can use them as a metric yeah, of sucking maybe. anyone. They got it together. Aren't they, like, rebelling against their coaching staff? Didn't the, co- didn't the organization wanting to tank? Well, and yeah. the players are trying. Well, players and coaches never want to tank. Yeah. You know, it's always, if, if a team yeah, is going to tank. it's like an ego thing. Those guys yeah. don't like to lose. Yeah. And, uh, right. It's usually the front office and the GMO. Those are the guys that go, oh, okay, let's tank this season and we'll. Do they outwardly say it, though? No. No. What they do is exactly what Miami did. They jettison all their good players. Yeah. Yeah. And. You know, they don't get anybody in free agency and all that. Because they're, they're just looking to stockpile on draft picks. And I think Miami has, a lot. what, nine first-round draft picks in the next two <laughs> what? seasons or something like that? Yeah, it's crazy. Rebuild. But, yeah, so the front office was like, hey, we want that first-round draft pick. And the players and coaches were like, yeah, well, we don't want to suck, so we're going to play well. That's crazy. I can't believe I beat the Eagles. <laughs> I know, which we needed that. Speaking yeah. of which, tonight it's the Bears and the Cowboys playing. We need the Bears to lose because they are, I think, one game up on us in the playoff hunt. I'm pretty sure I did the calculations like two or three weeks ago, and all we need is Minnesota to lose out and us to win out, and we will make it in the playoffs. Okay, so we don't even care what the Bears do. Yeah, but if Minnesota does win one, I, I can't. There's one game that they can win, and we can still make it in the playoffs. And then we need all this help from <laughs> everybody. Yeah, else. That, there's all kinds of scenarios, but we just need to win out. Yeah, that's all, that's all we can control. So that's all we should worry about. I don't know. I like rooting for teams to lose. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah sorry about <laughs> so that. if we're gonna root for a one to lose tonight, we need Chicago. To it lose. would be Chicago. I don't think that's gonna be really hard. No, I but, don't think so either. You know, the way Dallas has been playing, who knows with them? And it is in Chicago, so. By the time everybody listens to the podcast, they're going to know who won. Yeah. You know, the NFC, we- what? NFC East is weird this year. Could you just call it the I NFC did- West? Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah. that was kind of my point. The NFC West. They, uh, 
it's just a really weak division, and it's not as competitive as it has been in the last few years. Thanks. Well, I mean, like the Redskins, yeah, they've kind of been a wash for the last few years. But you at least had the Eagles and Dallas that showed up and were competitive. Eagles on that Super Bowl hangover, probably. Still, I know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, Jason Garrett's probably going to get canned. Who knows? Uh, but the yeah, NFC East is, is just really bad. I, I, I don't think anybody in there has a winning record, do they? I don't know. If I think Dallas is six and six. Yeah, the, nobody has a winning record. It's funny the Redskins can still win that division. <laughs> Where it says they're three and nine. Stop it. And they could win the division. <laughs> How funny is that? What about the Giants? They're two and ten. Nah, I don't think. I think they're out. And we are one of those two wins. It's embarrassing. Ah, that game. Hey, we won that game. Our kicker just (laughs) missed it by a foot. It's kind of his job. Speaking of kickers, okay, not doing their job. Vinatieri. Vinatieri. Who, by the way, is in his twenty-fourth season. Well, what? He's like 130, right? Okay, twenty-four years in the NFL. Like that's like a a grown human being. He pl- an adult. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, he was playing back when they had leather helmets, I think. Or no <laughs> Did helmets. he drive his dinosaur to practice? The playbook was chiseled in stone. <laughs> he had to hope that coach didn't get pissed off and thrown on the ground because of a break. All the signals were just grunts. <laughs> so the only way anybody communicated back then. There was no language. <laughs> Poor Vinatieri. And actually, he is hurt this week. And they thought his maybe feelings are I hurt know, this week. hurt. It's his butt. It's a butt injury. Uh, no, his knee, and he was limited Wednesday, but then held out on Thursday, so I don't think. And they picked up a kicker off waivers, Chase McLaughlin. And Vinatieri, before the injury, his performance had really taken a hit. He's only hit 68% of his field goals oh, and Jesus. 78.6% of his extra points. That's got awful so, horrible. Yeah, he's struggling. Uh, yeah, Father Time's caught up with him. Maybe it's arthritis in the knee. <laughs> wow. <laughs> well, I think it's the way he plants his walker when he kicks. Stop. <laughs> he needs to do it more at an angle. It's the person who's helping him stay steady. That's the problem. <laughs> That's the problem. We need to fire that his person. His caretaker. <laughs> we need to fire his, his care- nurse. <clears throat> oh, we're terrible. You're terrible. What? That you're, was you're funny. You're an ageist. <laughs> Listen, that was funny. All right, let's get to the injury reports. Speaking of which, T.Y. Hilton did not practice Wednesday or Thursday. Kenny, cornerback Kenny Moore with an ankle. He also has not practiced all week. Safety Malik Hooker with a foot injury. I love that name. He's their starter. I knew someone in high school with the last name Hooker. It was a dude, though, so he could, he could pull it off. Anyway, Malik Hooker was limited Wednesday, did not practice Thursday. Safety Clayton Gethers, also a starter. So Hooker is their starter and Gethers is their starter. He, oh, he was just resting. So he was limited Wednesday and then full practice Thursday. Marlon Mack with the hand injury was limited Wednesday, but returned to practice in a full capacity on Thursday. Vinatieri, as I mentioned, was limited Wednesday. (laughs) Didn't practice Thursday. Paris Campbell, full practice all week. We'll probably see him. Tight end Mo Alley Cox with a thumb injury. He's been a full participant all week. And this is probably my favorite NFL name I've ever heard in my life. Cornerback Rock Yassin. Rock Yassin. Yeah. I know. That's a cool it's name. It's awesome. Rock. 
I don't know. Not as good as Merciless. No, yeah, Houston. yeah. Yeah, when it comes to football names, Merciless is like the best ever. But Rock Yassin. Yeah. It's sounds cool like name. a punk rock song or something. Yeah. Rock the cat's ball. Rock, rock Yassin. <laughs> rock Yassin. Uh, he was not on the injury report Wednesday. Thursday, he was limited. They got a Marvell Tell. Oh. He's also on the team. Marvell Tell the third. Mm. A lot of L's in that. It sure is. But it rhymes. It sure, sure does. easy to remember. Marvell Tell. They got some good names on their team. Malik Hooker. Ugh. We have like the worst names. We do? Just kidding. They're awesome. Come on, man. Alex Kappa has an elbow injury. Did not practice all week. So we may not see him. Jamel Dean was a full participant all week with the shoulder injury. Damar Dotson and Nacho both sat out on Wednesday. It was not injury related. So probably rest. And they returned Thursday. Chris Godwin has a shin injury, but he participated fully all week. Scotty Miller with that dang hamstring. He has not practiced all week. We probably won't see him. Anthony Nelson also with the dang hamstring. Didn't practice all week. JPP has a knee injury. He didn't practice Wednesday, but he returned Thursday in a limited capacity. MJ Stewart has a nagging knee injury. He's been limited all week. And Jameis Winston is on the injury report with a knee injury. But he has practiced fully all week. Yeah, if you watch that video I did, you can see. Oh, uh, God, that was the worst. I don't yeah. know how they were not flagged for that. I know. That was it, awful. If you see when, the way Winston was slammed to the ground, I mean, his knee got twisted up under him. Uh, oh, God, I, it, it was a, It was vicious. That guy should have been probably ejected from the team or from the now, game. Now, you don't recommend that kind of response often. No, no, no. And, you know, I'd be fine with it if we could do it to their quarterback, too. <laughs> <laughs> but it was just really blatant. And, and I, But I say blatant, but even you didn't even see it when you first watched it. I had to point it out to you. I said, I said watch, watch Winston here. It was real quick, though. It was just so fast. Yeah, he just yanked like, he yanked him down, then he's on the ground. Yeah, and that's when Winston was hurt. He was laying on the ground for a little bit. He's lucky he did that while the offensive linemen were turned around, because I think Jensen would have been up in his face. Yeah, that was the thing with that play. Everybody was watching the yeah, pass completion. Yeah, weren't they walking? I feel like they were walking. Yeah, everybody was turned. Their like, mm-hmm. back was to it. Yeah. Such a cheap shot, too. Smoot. Smoot's a dirty player. Dirty. Dirty, dirty Smoot. We have, like, the best segues today, and we did not even... Speaking of allegedly dirty players. <laughs> oh, I was going to say, how in the world can we make what segue with Smoot? This is going to be a good one. No. Right, dirty Sue. Oh. <laughs> I said allegedly dirty. I don't think he's dirty. No, he's not. Nah. Allegedly. Nah. He has two fumble return touchdowns this season, tying Rondé Barber's 2004 team record. If he manages to get another... Fumble return for a touchdown. He would tie the NFL record in that category set by Link Lyman of the Cleveland Bulldogs in 1924. Three fumble returns for a touchdown? Never been done. Or, Not since 1924 by uh, the Cleveland Bulldogs. Holy crap. They really should have kept that team name. I, know. <laughs> I wonder, is that why they're called the Dog Pound? Maybe. Huh. I've always often wondered that, why they're called a dog pound. Because you can probably Google it, and it would come up, like, immediately. Yeah, probably. Well, I don't want anything about work. Cleveland Browns in my Google search <laughs> <Your> history. Search <laughs> history. <laughs> I'd rather have gay porn in my search history. Than, it already is. <laughs> than anything I have to do with the Cleveland Browns. <laughs> That's got to put you on some kind of list if you search Cleveland Browns stuff. Yeah, definitely. Uh that's incredible. And there's a really good chance that he can get that because we've been strip fumbling 
quite a bit. I mean, we've got to have some kind of record going on there. Uh, I know Shaq Barrett is leading the league in forced fumbles. I think he's got six. Yes. The Buccaneers' single-season record is seven, first set by Wally Chambers in 1979. This all per the Scott Smith article. For individuals? I know we've had more than seven fumbles (laughs) before. No. Yeah. Forced fumbles. Nah, that can't be right. It says the Buccaneers' single-season record is seven. That's got to be by one person. Yeah, probably. Yeah. 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 By one person. Yes. You're correct. Okay. I don't know why we're arguing. So Wally Chambers, <laughs> Broderick Thomas, and Styles G. White. Styles have G. They've all had seven. Yeah, I think Barrett's going to beat that. Well, we, we've, we've still got plenty of games to go. I know. Which Barrett came out today and said he likes Tampa. He'd like to stay here. I think that was after Mark Cook went on PewterCast and, and said, said he had told he had told him that off the or not off the record, but uh, on the side, on the side, basically yeah. that Barrett likes the area. And today Barrett said, "Yeah, I like the area, and I don't want to move my family again. They all like it here." Drew Rosenhaus was probably like, "Oh man, what'd you say that for? It gives <laughs> <Yeah>. them leverage." <laughs> He's a shark bulldog. So that's all I got. Oh, okay. Well, we could have segued into that because I had something Darn to say. And I was like, oh, right, segue. I'm going to let Do you. It. I can't remember what we were talking about. Shaq Barrett. Shaq Barrett said that. Oh, yeah. That got me to thinking. <clears throat> Actually, it's not what got me to thinking. It was uh, Joe Buck's fans podcast on Monday. I recall from a podcast that so they were talking about Shaquille Barrett. And I'm of the opinion, I'll, I want to do this. We might do it in the offseason, but just have a a really good breakdown of who our free agents are going to be, who we need to keep, what order we think it should be in. I, I think Shaq Barrett is the number one priority to keep on our team. I mean, Over Jameis Winston. Yes. And they brought up franchising Shaq Barrett. And I was like, oh, yeah, that would be probably the best thing to do. Probably cheaper for us to do that. And, but is that just going to piss him off? Well, I mean, if he's going to be pissed off and not play well, then you don't want him on your team anyhow, and you, you'll be glad you didn't sign him to a big contract. I don't think he's like that. I think, I mean, the guy's playing for peanuts now. I know four million. Yeah, and you know, it's incredible. Uh, so you know, whatever it takes to keep Shaq Barrett, I'm cool with. And then you know, we could you know sign Jameis or whatever. But yeah, if we if it comes down to, I would I would much rather have Shaq Barrett in a long term contract. So we'll see if they can get that done. If they can and not break the bank, that would be highly impressive. Because, I mean, he's going he's gonna to be able to get quarterback money anywhere he goes. I Shaq know. Barrett. On Peter Cass, they were talking about a million per sack, maybe, realistically, for that position. That'd be cheap if we could get him for, what's he at? Right, but he's at 14, 14. and a half. Yeah. I mean, we still have how many more games? Right. Yeah, he'll probably get at least another one per game. Right. So if Average. he gets up to 19 million a year, that's crazy. Yeah, as I said, quarterback money. Yeah. Million. I mean, he's going to get that somewhere else. Yeah. You know, so if we can get him. He mentioned to Mark Cook that maybe he would be willing to give Tampa a little hometown discount. Yeah, that'd be so sweet. That's what I'm saying. If we could yeah. do that, man, the, the front office, I would. I would. They're probably talking to him now after this. Yeah. You would think. Yeah, because if you watch game film on him, you know, you can watch. Some guys get stats. They'll be, you know, one hit wonders or whatever. Uh, you watch game film on Shaq Barrett. The guy's just really good. And not just his the rushing ability at the quarterback. You know, and I've talked about this but when we signed him. Yeah, he doesn't make mistakes. And that's huge. Now, he's made mistakes. He didn't make any mistakes for like the first eight games. Yeah, and it was one small one. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he, he actually got beat where he got pushed to the ground. Yeah. First time I'd ever seen that. Oh, was that Whitworth? I think it was Whitworth. So that was at week eight. That was early, right? 
Didn't we play them like week four? Gosh, the we season said, just becomes such a blur. <laughs> it's just a blur. I need like the schedule, the roster, the roster Everything for every right in front week. Of me. Yeah. <laughs> Injury reports. We've got four screens in front of us now. <laughs> it's incredible. Uh, but he he just he's very disciplined. He does well. He's great with containment. Great on the run. You know, I mean, the guy just he just doesn't make mistakes. He doesn't get beat. You know, he's not pushed out of the way. He's a real big contributor on the defense, so I think. And he takes so much attention from the offensive line. Yeah, that he studies it opens up opportunities for the other guys. Yeah, yeah, and he seems to be. You know, he wants to master his craft, and I, th- I would say he's done it. But I think he's just he just wants to get better and better and better. This is his really his first full year starting. He started for Denver for a while, but I don't think it was for a full year. So this is what is so fascinating about. Your perspective on football players, because in general, you like things that are different, off the wall, kind of out of the ordinary, outside the box. Except in sports. Those, except in sports. And you cannot so stand the players like the Patrick Mahomes, oh, no. like the Lamar yeah. Jacksons that yeah. rely purely on athleticism. Or, and it's not, and your whole, you want to explain your justification for it? Like, you like the guys that, I'll explain it for you. <laughs> Have taken the time to master their craft, and those guys are just relying on their sheer athletic ability. Yes, rather than perfecting right or their being shifty and skills. Yeah, sneaky and all that. It's it's boxing is the same way. A huge boxing fan, and I was a big fan of Marvin Hagler, one of my favorite boxers of all time. I mean, he was just a master pugilist. Just good, just great, great defense, good form. God, just he he was great. And his Sugar Ray Leonard came along. And Sugar Ray Leonard was that whole Muhammad Ali rope of dope, you know, hands down to the side, jump, run around the ring, you know, he dancing around and all that stuff. And I hated it, hated it. Uh, Sweet Pea Whitaker, same way, hated it. I just, you know, Muhammad Ali, I hated his boxing style. I hated it. And uh, I like the guys that are, you know, like you said, they're masters of the craft. It's so weird because I'm not like that in anything else in life. Never. Yeah, I'm a contrarian. I. I mean, whatever the mainstream position, total opposite. Yes. You're like that's stupid. But with sports, I like the guys that you know stick to football. Yes, that's it's one of the things I like about Tom Brady and Matt Ryan and these guys. You know, because they're just technicians at being quarterbacks. Yeah. Is that what type of athlete you are? Like racquetball? No, I was actually more. <laughs> well, with I, finesse. Yeah. <laughs> more, yeah, no, I, no, I am a, I'm a stick. I'm, I'm the kind of guy. I'm a practicer. I love yeah. to practice. Like your bowling stance. Yes. Ralph has a whole <laughs> dance. <laughs> That's do, why he the, likes Matt Gay's little shimmy. Yep, because it, it's exactly what I do it's when like I bowl. It's like the routine yep. and the yeah, you do a little butt wiggle. Mm-hmm. The shoulders and the butt. <laughs> you gotta loosen up, man. But the, yeah, it's, that's what's very impressive about Shaq Barrett is. You know, he's not – most defensive ends or interior linemen, defensive linemen, they'll have a few good moves that they're really good at. Shaq Barrett is good at all of them. And he's he's developing this ability to – like last week, he was actually knocked to the ground and had, I want to say, three points on the ground. He, he had a hand on the ground, and the, the lineman, the right tackle, was actually pushing him down, and he was still able to get the sack. Never seen anything like that before. And so he's developing these new techniques. Didn't you say he's got a plethora of moves? How many moves would you say he's got? Oh, gosh. Really? I've seen him do everything that I've seen, you know, uh, defensive ends do throughout the years. And he's got uh, probably four or five moves that I've never seen before. That one leg kick out thing that's like a Superman (laughs) thing. That's really neat. And it works. 
That's a, that's totally him. I've never seen anybody do that before. I call it the Superman because they do that in the MLMA where they'll kick their leg as they jump to get that extra thing. He does that with his right leg. He'll kick it out. Huh. So anyhow, and then that movie did last week. Never seen that before either. I mean, the guy's getting pushed to the ground, and he used that leverage to come up off the ground and get the. I think it was a strip sack he got. But, but anyhow, yeah. Now the guy's just—you can tell he's just studying and mastering his craft. So. And he's an exciting player to watch. Yeah. Yeah. Because you never know what he's going to do. I mean, he do, he's got these crazy spin moves. He's got that crazy Superman moves. I mean, he can do anything. And he doesn't look like he's capable of doing them. Because he's you know kind of undersized. He doesn't look strong. Yeah. But, I mean, he'll blow wash a guy just as quick as Dom Cox Whip. So, anyhow, yes, I think uh, signing him is our number one priority. He is a once, possibly once in a generation defensive end. So, you don't want we don't want to lose him, whatever it takes. So, and here he was all these years, just hiding behind Von Miller at Denver. They didn't even know what they had. They just let him walk. Well, we don't know if that's what's made him good, is being behind yeah, those maybe. great defensive ends in right. Denver. He did say that he studied a lot and just worked on his skill. By far the best. Uh, I keep calling him a defense fan, but he's not. He's an outside linebacker, but, you know, he's the edge guy. Uh by far the best in the league right now. How about that pass rush? How about that pass rush? Uh, going back to the Colts, they play a 4-3 defense. Very disciplined. Almost militaristic in their execution. These guys are very... They don't just don't make mistakes. Yeah. I mean, you see that in their penalty numbers, their turnovers. Yeah. Yeah. So we can't screw up with these guys. Uh, their offensive line has good pass protection. They are susceptible to corner blitzes, though, because the running backs don't seem to be able to pick up the blitzes, kind of like our guys are. So, uh, you know, last week we had a lot of Whitehead coming off the edge blitzing. I think we should do that this week, too. You know, Whitehead or somebody coming off the edge. Preferably a cornerback. I like cornerback blitzes, you know, because it really confuses. You don't ever expect that coming from a cornerback. That's what Ronnie Barber was famous for. And he come rushing in from the side. Uh, their defensive line is relatively small. You really? Yeah, you don't see any big guys on their defensive line, no Via Vez and Sue hmm. and stuff like that. But they're very athletic and they're tenacious. They got high energy. They're not going to stop coming at you. Uh, our biggest worries on offense is going to be the tight end Doyle. He's pretty good, and hopefully, you know, Devin White's gotten over his coverage issues because uh, he's going to have to be dealing with this Doyle guy quite a bit. So. You know, Doyle's, Doyle's my biggest concern. He's actually my only concern. <laughs> and I'm not really even concerned about him that much. Uh, Brissett, is that how you say his name? Brisket? Brisket? Jacoby Brissett. Jacoby Brisket. Uh, he's not great under pressure at all. Oh, really? Yeah, if we can get to him. Because he's used to having a lot of time back there. Right. That, that offensive line. It's gonna be that's gonna be a good challenge. To I see. know. What do you think about that matchup though? Like our defensive line uh, up against their offensive line. There ain't no offensive line that, that can dominate our defensive line. No, no, that's not even a question. Didn't New Orleans? There was one team. <laughs> I always do this to you. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sitting here going. I just pause. Uh, I mean, you're right. There is no offensive line in this league <laughs> that can handle this defensive line. Okay. Well, I'm, I, maybe maybe I just, one or two. We can give anybody fits, even yes. the best. Let's how about that? All right. Uh, the, the Jacksonville Jaguars did a really good job last week of holding uh, the center of our defensive line, Sue and Vita Vea. It's like they, the, the Jaguars offensive line did a great job keeping those guys in check. But how much of that was our game plan? Right. Yeah, I don't know. I don't because because neither one of them, nobody that played in the middle, 
whether it was Nacho or Bo, really looked like they were trying to get a lot of push. Don't know. I don't know if it was the game plan, if they were just working containment or whatever. But uh, Indianapolis offensive line, I think our edges are going to do well. Interior, it's going to be interesting. I really can't say one way or another. I want to say, yeah, Vita Vea is going to you know, get a lot of push, and so is Sue, but I don't know. They got, they got a tough offensive line. Uh, Devin White, moving on to some news. Devin White has been nominated, or not nominated, uh, awarded Defensive Rookie of the Month by the NFL. That is so exciting. That's awesome. Him. I know. So cool. I know. The Devin White mic'd up was cool. He was it was very, very good. Really interesting. We did see a lot of Devin White in the offseason, like these kind of fluff pieces. Uh-huh. And yeah. this was the first time we actually got to see him in action on the field. And he, you could tell he's got two personas. He's got his on-field persona and he's got his in front of the media persona. Because they're two different <laughs> characters. I mean, on-field, he is out there talking trash and running his mouth and he's he's just all over the place. I loved it. I was I was really impressed with the way he was acting. What was more impressive to me is the way the players were responding to him. This was my favorite part of the mic talk. Because I watch how when a player talks to other players or when a coach talks to players, you see it all the time on the sideline. You know, a coach will come over and he'll start talking to the players or whatever. And guys will be staring off in space or looking down at their gloves or, you know, not even really paying so attention to like him. So you, like, read the body language? Yeah, yeah. Dr. Phil. <laughs> uh, Devin White, when he talked, everybody was paying attention to him. That is so cool, especially yeah. for a young guy like him. Yes. Yeah, even the veterans were, you know, glued to what he said. He seems to be one of those guys, and I think we touched on this before, you know, when you're on a football team, there's a lot of hanging out, not doing anything. You know, when you're sitting there, you know, even during a live game, you know, these guys are, you know, when the offense is on the field, the defense is kind of hanging out, just waiting for their chance to get back on the field, whatever. So there's a lot of just hanging out. And uh, it's a real big thing with, like, salespeople. And in, anytime you have a group of guys that are stuck together in the military – where they spend a lot of time together and there's a lot of downtime. You need those guys who are fun, you know, who make it exciting and entertaining when the downtime is there. You know, whether they're telling stories or playing practical jokes or whatever. And Devin White seems to be one of those guys. You know, he, he was just seemed like nonstop, just <laughs> chattering away. And everybody was into it. You know, I mean, you, of course, you always got those guys that talk a lot. And a lot of times they annoy the crap out of people. <laughs> but Devin White seems to be one of those guys where everybody really likes just kind of hanging out with him. And that's that's really good. It seems like all great teams have a player like that. You know, we had Warren Sapp. Uh, Baltimore had Ray Lewis. And, God, who was that defensive lineman they had? The big guy. He, he was an announcer for a while or sideline guy. Oh, what was his name? Can't believe I can't remember this stuff. Tony Saragusa. The Goose. Uh, you know, guys like that, they're fun. They, they had Shannon Sharp on there, too, wasn't it? Didn't yeah. he play with Baltimore for mm-hmm. a while? Okay. So, yeah, you know, these guys are just, they're just, they just don't shut up. And you need guys like that when you're hanging out with a bunch of dudes and you got a lot of downtime. Devin White seems to be one of those guys, and that's cool. Such a contrast to Levante, who's like yeah. the silent leader. Right. So, Defensive Rookie of the Month. That's quite impressive because there's some pretty good rookies out there. Yeah, well, he's had two really good games where he made a big impact. So, good for him. Yeah, he's really, really coming into knowing what's going on out there. Jenna Lane had an article on ESPN. Uh, keeping Shaq a Barrett will be pricey, but Bucks can't afford to let him go. Good article. Go check it out if you want. She breaks down a lot of the things we can do. She talks about the franchise tagging him as well. I had talked about 
Ron Rivera getting fired and North Turner going to the special assistant to the head coach. I didn't know this because I found it very strange that he, I was like, is that a promotion or a demotion? I couldn't figure it out. His son is was promoted to offensive coordinator, North Turner's son. What? Yeah, I think his name's Steve Turner or something like that. Yeah. But so why is Norv being the special assistant and no longer the offensive coordinator? I don't know. I just don't understand that. Like, is that a demotion or a promotion? I know, right. I I think he's moved up so that they could put his son as offensive coordinator and he can kind of help his son. And the new coach, maybe. Yeah, yeah. Because Turner Turner does have a lot of coaching experience. Right. Head coaching experience, too, although he sucks at head coaching. but Yeah, but he can tell the interim head coach what not to do. (laughs) Whatever I tell you to do, that's not a good idea. (laughs) Do the opposite. Uh, Pewter Report had their most impressive against Jacksonville article and an article that was the least impressive, or it's called Most Disappointing. Now, they do these articles right after the game. I'm not a big fan of that because we can't watch the... There's a lot of stuff that happens on the game film that you don't see. All right, but play devil's advocate. We do do an instant reaction. This is true. Now, I don't don't have a problem with them doing something or anybody doing something. It's the same reason why I have a problem with pro football focus. But not like rating the player's performance. Right. You can't do it until you actually, you know, see the game film at least. Or at least watch the game five or six times, you know. There's all kinds of little things that you miss. One of the things they missed was JPP. They didn't even have him mentioned in this article as the most impressive. Yeah. He was really, when you pointed, I watched the video of your most interesting things. And I was like, yeah, he was like in every play, but you really didn't see it on the broadcast. No, no, it really shocked me because it's like the Devin White interception that Devin White got. That was because of JPP. JPP hit the quarterback or was at least in the quarterback's face. I mean, when I say he was in his face, I mean, his hand was literally (laughs) in the guy's face. Uh, And it caused the pass to go just a little errant. And I don't want to take it away from Devin White. It was a great interception. I mean, he actually turned his body backwards and it was a great catch. But... You know, JPP was there in the quarterback's face. And JPP was there for almost every big play we had on defense. He was a large part of it. And, you know, Superior Report, they had as their most impressive Devin White, Shaq Barrett, O.J. Howard, Brashard Perriman, and Peyton Barber. I'm like, what? That is not the list I would have come up with. You know, I mean, O.J. Howard was was absolutely garbage at blocking. Right, but he had the receiving yards. Right, yeah, yeah. If you look at... The stats. The stats. Yeah, you're going to say, oh, O.J. Howard had this a great guy game. showed up. Yeah, but he was, he was garbage and blocking. Again, why stats can be misleading. Yeah, yeah. And it's the same thing with their most disappointing, too. My, You know, I, I think I said my three most disappointing players were uh, Donovan Smith, O.J. Howard, and Ronald Jones, all because of their blocking mishaps. Yeah. So, and I think they had Donovan Smith in there and Ronald Jones for something, but I don't think it was the blocking. So, anyhow... You know, I like to see them uh, have those articles and then maybe update them after they've watched the film. Because that's one thing I do like about Peter Report is they do watch the film. they got a couple guys on staff that, you know, will watch the film. Uh, on Arian's press conference, I think it was December 2nd one, Monday, he said this. I'm going to go ahead and quote it. He said, after watching the film, I think defensively we're finally understanding situational football a lot better. Guys, communication, short yardage, red zone, third down. It's becoming really, really fun to watch and watching the growth. I like the way... Obviously, we're rushing the passer extremely well for the last few weeks. But again, on the back end, we're holding our guys. We're covering our guys. The quarterback's, quarterback's not having the quick throws. Emphasis there. And when we are sacking him, that's my emphasis. 
And when we are sacking and we're knocking the ball out of their hands, I think Larry Foote does a good job of teaching those guys when they turn the corner to find the ball and strip fumble. That part of it is the best thing I watched on film. Big thing I wanted to point out in what he said is that the quarterback's not having the quick throws, and that's true. I mean, they're getting the ball out quick, but they're not making the passes because our cornerbacks are sticking to these guys like glue, uh, and they're able to bat the passes down or you know get an incompletion some way, somehow. We have got to have a record, at least a franchise record, for the past couple weeks for passes defensed. It's it's. It really is incredible at how many passes defense we've had in the past few weeks. I think, what was it, two weeks ago we had 15 in one game? Yeah. <laughs> Come on. I man. think Jamal Dean alone has five. 16. Yeah, Not yeah. in the game. Yeah. Just, and, yeah, and, since, you know, he's been out with injury. Yeah, I think he had 16 in 108 snaps. Oh, God, it was crazy. Yeah, that's that's nuts. That's insane. So, yeah, uh, that's the thing I love about Bruce Arians. That's why we put the press conference. We've started putting the press conferences at the end of our a podcast because the guy talks football and he doesn't BS. You know, he's not out there saying coach speak or blowing smoke up anybody's butt or anything like that. I mean, the guy speaks the truth when he says something. I go back to the film and watch it and I'll be like, oh, yeah, he's right. That's, yeah, I got that one wrong because I thought it was this and he said it was that. But now I see he's right. It happens all the time. He'll come out and he'll say stuff and I'll be like, wow, this guy really talks football. We haven't had a coach do this since uh, Greg Shana, you know, and Greg Shana wasn't near as. Entertaining football in depth as Bruce Arians. Mm-hmm. I mean, he gives a lot, a lot of information. As a matter of fact, it kind of bothers me a little bit in the sense, you know, strategically, I'll be like, man, if the opposing team is listening to this, they're getting <laughs> some good information here. No risk it, no biscuit. There you go. Off subject a little bit. Uh, Cowboys defensive tackle Antoine Woods was arrested on drug and tampering charges. What was he tampering with? Marijuana. The drugs? Yeah, he was tampering with the drugs. What was he doing He to was him? smoking a joint in his car, got pulled over for speeding, and put the joint in a drink that was sitting there. <gasps> what? That's yeah. some BS. Yeah, that's a third-class felony, too. That's ridiculous. Tampering. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he'll get everything reduced and all that, but it's just... So co- is that what happens if you, like... Throw the baggie out the window? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Yeah, it's a felony. We don't have that charge here that I know of. <laughs> I bet we do. Something it's, like that. Yeah. I don't know. There's a, there's a law for everything. Yeah. Which brings me to, and I kind of want to rant here just for a minute, when the, are we going to get over this marijuana stuff, man? Do we not realize it? That, that, you You're know, getting political on us. Yeah. What the, I mean, look at this. This guy, this is a starting defensive tackle for the Dallas Cowboys. They're playing tonight. Now, he was injured. He wasn't going to play anyhow. But, you know, he, he's, he's you know, I mean, this, this is going to hurt his career. Okay, where did he get arrested? Was it in Chicago? I want to say Indianapolis. Wow. I can't remember. <laughs> in Chicago. <laughs> <laughs> I see what you did there. They were cheating bastards. Homers. No, in uh, Frisco. Dallas suburb of Frisco. But, I mean, he told the cops. Yeah, he said, I'll put the cigarette out when y'all pulled me over. So they charged him with tampering with that. It's just ridiculous, man. But, but you know. I don't want to get political so much as, you know, as far as, you know, the country. Yeah, I think it's stupid, the drug laws, but I think anybody with a brain thinks it's stupid. We've seen it doesn't work and blah, 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 blah. But the NFL. Yeah. I mean, come on. Especially in states where it's legal. Right. You've got so many states where it's legal now. How is the NFL still making it a an issue that, I mean, this has nothing to do with the NFL, I'm sure, although he's probably going to get suspended because he's been, you know, oh, yeah, he probably. had marijuana. But... This is interesting, too. We're reading the book Brainwash on CTE by Meryl Hodge, which is Great pretty book. good. Highly recommend it. And we're probably going to talk about it in the offseason. Oh, yeah, we are. A book report. But I'm to the point in the book where he's talking about 
other explanations for CTE mm-hmm. and there's a theory that chronic inflammation is one of them and CBD has anti-inflammatory properties and you know works better additionally CTE is correlated with drug use they find the symptoms of the tau in the brain with drug use and you get that a lot with NFL players who are on opioids because of pain and if you can let them use CBD which it has anti-inflammatory properties. Mm-hmm. And, and actually, Meryl Hodge recommends the Tom Brady diet because it's focusing but, on anti-inflammatories. Right, yeah, yeah. And then you also, the, the other benefit of the CBD is that they're not on these high-powered opioids. Yes, I mean, there's a lot of benefits to, to... Especially to athletes, I think. Yes, and I, it's just ridiculous at the NFL... Yeah, I mean, we're going to hear about it. NFL is going to end up suspending him or finding some crap. Right. Him. It's like Josh Gordon. They just completely threw away his yeah, career. Yeah, right. It's ridiculous. Of course, he had the choice there. He continued to smoke when he knew that they were after him. But This is true, too. But it should not be an issue. Right, the rules, I mean, stupid. Yeah, the NFL should just throw it out. You know, America should throw it out. It's just ridiculous. But that's my rant. Just wanted to get that in there. That was a good rant. <laughs> as far as rants go, I guess that's a pretty <laughs> yeah. good one. <laughs> All right, so what's your prediction? Who's going to win? Oh, okay. So I am going to go with it's going to be a one-score game. I think we're going to win. So I am going to say my score prediction, I'm going to say 31 to 24. All right, that's about what I was going to do. I was going to say 31, 30, uh, 21. Yeah. You're going to say what? 31-21. Okay. You think it's going to be two scores. It happened last week. Yeah, well, I think that uh, we're going to beat them down pretty quick, and then you know they'll get some points and Garbage time. Yeah, I think this is going to be a pretty nasty game for the Indianapolis Colts. I hope so. You know, it's at home at Ray J. Yeah. I think the Bucks fans need that. Yeah, they're getting ready. The Colts are getting ready to go into the meat grinder. Ooh, I like it. <laughs> yeah, it's going to be exciting to see the matchup between our defensive line and their offensive line. It's a premier elite offensive line against our premier elite defensive line. Yeah. And if we can get any pressure on Brissett, the game is over. Because that guy just can't handle pressure at all. He's not very athletic. He does. He gets frazzled quick. He'll just like chunk it. Hmm. So. That's what Scott Smith said. He's not a prolific passer. So he may chunk it downfield, but he's not great at it. I would concur. All right. Well, that's going to wrap it up for us. If you want to stay and hang out and listen to Bruce Arians' latest press conference, we'll have it at the end of the podcast coming up next. You got anything else to add? I do not. No. We covered the gauntlet. No, screw the Colts or anything. Yeah. <laughs> I will say, this is like the dumbest mascot in football, probably besides the dolphins. <laughs> like a call. It's, like, it's a baby it's like a horse. Baby, a baby horse. It's a baby horse. How is that intimidating? I don't know. It's like My Little Ponies. Yeah. That's what we should call We're going to start calling the them ponies. My Little Ponies. Yeah. All right. That's going to wrap it up for us. Till next time. Go Bucks. All right, not, not participating today, Alex Kappa, DeMar Dotson, Scotty Miller, Anthony Nelson, Nacho, and JPP. Nacho was excused absence. Um, two of those guys are just vet days off. So um, good start to the week. Kind of tempoed it down as far as the running part of practice. We, we got our full speed seven on seven blitz, and then we kind of scaled it back as far as the running. This time of year, we don't need it. Just a matter of assignments and uh, being physically ready to go on Sunday against our, a, a team that's in the same situation as us. It's a one-game season. Yeah, speaking to that, I mean, you've said you know you play all the games and hope you know, when you add them up, it's enough. 
But that still is the carrot. I mean, Minnesota loses. You never know what's going to happen in this game. Did you talk to your team about that? Yeah, yeah, we talked about it this morning. So, you know, if you want to feel what the playoffs are like, you're in it yeah. right now. All right, they're one-game seasons, and you lose, you're done. And uh, then you play for fun, you know. But uh, I've been in it with. Uh, we had to win four. We won all four. We were the sixth seed. We won the Super Bowl. Um, JPP's been the same situation, you know. So it's happened. It's been done. Uh, you just take care of your own business. You can't worry about anybody else. Good, uh, good coach lost his job yesterday, Bruce. Hell of a coach. Any doubt in your mind he's going to land on his feet? No, no. He's a better man than he is coach, and he's a hell of a coach. There were some folks that came out, criticized Coach Rivera because of the fact that his wife and his daughter – uh, we're often at the facility. I mean, it's it seems kind of crazy. You know, Coach Dungey had family members that were often at the facility. I mean, what do you, what do you say to those folks? <laughs> yeah, I have no comment for that one. I really don't. That has nothing to do with winning or losing. How much has family played a role in the, the success that you've had in your job? Everything. Everything. And uh, be able to share it with them. My son was a ball boy. He went to Wisconsin. Uh, with the chief and worked the sidelines when we used to have cords and uh, great bonding experience for us, you know, and, uh, you know, our kids were always in the facility and at practice ever since I can remember. Certain teams don't allow it, but. What have you learned? First, what have you learned about Levani David, um, working with him day to day? I mean, know? yeah, I mean, uh, he's, an, he's the ultimate pro, you know, I mean, uh, Levante's, First of all, he's dependable. I mean, he's a great player. Um, but what he does with the young players, you know, is, is amazing. Chris, you guys have four or five wins on the road this year. What, what do you think this team has to do differently at home to take advantage of having three of the last four here in Tampa? Learn to win at home, yeah. I mean, there's a little extra, you know, when the noise is on the other side and uh, communication on defense. Uh, one miss, miss call could be a touchdown. And, uh, and we, have to, we have to be really sharp. Uh, in our communication, and um, hopefully there won't be a bunch of the other team's fans in the end zone. We snapped the ball too early, uh, like we did against New Orleans. But uh, no, it's it's something that's sometimes teams it's easier on the road than it is at home, but uh, it shouldn't be. What's it going to take to get this running game going a little bit better? Uh, I don't. I don't think it's as long as the numbers are there. You know, um, we've had some called back. Uh, that was a good physical front. We could have run the ball differently a little bit against Jacksonville instead of right at Calais all the time with a tight end. Uh, but I don't, I don't have any concerns of running game right now. And uh, Rojo's still our starter, and uh, and we'll get him going. You have had, I feel like, different tactics when it comes to motivating your players or how to get the most out of them, whether it was calling out the secondary in a press conference and, and seeing the way they responded or, or, like, you know, pulling Rojo from that game for a miss, miss blitz pickup. How do you kind of gauge with each player kind of the route or the approach that you take to getting the most out of them in that department? It's just called honesty. I don't sugarcoat it, so... Um... If you can't handle the truth, it's a problem sometimes. And some young kids can't, so you have to call them in, talk to them individually, and, uh, you know, pat them on the back. Like, where does, I mean, because you, you have to sometimes take different approaches, right? And, yeah, everybody's differently. Everybody's how different. Kinda, how do you figure out kind of which buttons to push for each guy? I've been doing this a long time. 
That's my bartender days. That. Is that where it's from? How has Ronald uh, responded? Has it been like Jamal Dean? And all been, yeah, it's been great. Great. I mean, just reaffirm to him he's my guy. And uh, hey, we're in the playoffs now. You can't. We can't have that. If you have that, you're standing next to me. All right. Coach, when you watch a guy like Darius Leonard, who won Defensive Rookie of the Year last year as a linebacker for the Colts, do you see a similar kind of impact when, obviously, you guys have a guy like Devin White on your team? Yeah, I mean, uh, Devin's injury set him back, I think, from some awards I think he would have been in, in the hunt for. But Darius, um, coming from a small school, um, is a little bit different than coming from LSU. But, uh, you know, when you look at height, weight, speed, and, and you go work him out, you Oof. And then you just never know about the competition, but uh, he, he's in the perfect system for him. And, I, and the, the Colts do a great job of drafting people that fit their system. Coach, I know it's week to week, and I know this is the one, wasn't your watch when it comes to not winning three games in a row. But if you win this week, it'll be three games in a row. What will it mean for this team to actually win three games in a row? <laughs> just that we did it, you know, that we got a chance to win four and, and stay in it. That's. That's that's it. That's all. It's all what it's about right now. One game at a time. You know, last week you played a running team, right? Uh, Jaguars weren't running the ball. Obviously, this team is really committed to it. Is this kind of one of those big boy games where on defense? Yeah, this is. This might be the best offensive. We've seen some good offensive lines, but this one, Quentin Nelson is. He's kind of the tone setter for them. And uh, you know, Todd did a good job of showing the tape that you don't want to be embarrassed on it uh, this morning. So. Um, yeah, they're, they're running game, and, and Frank does a great job. He's very unique with some of the things he does. So it'll be a good challenge for us to to maintain where we've been run, stopping the run. How do you see that matchup, uh, Coach, with uh, with Nelson against uh, your interior lineman? It should be fun. It should be fun, especially with Vita and Sue. You know, I mean, if we can keep those two guys on him, I like our matchup. Is Sue good enough credit for all the, I mean, I was looking at the stats. He's been double-teamed fifth most in the league. Does he get enough credit for what he does in that department that allows other Sue? Yeah. Oh, no, he doesn't. I mean, he's 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 been playing lights out, uh, especially this last month, but he's been playing really good all year. What about for me personally with the My Cause, My Cleats? I, I believe you're also going to be wearing some mm-hmm. cleats. I mean, what does it mean for you to be able to, to have that kind of platform and those eyeballs for, for something? Uh, it's it's huge. I, I really love what the league allow the players to do this, and uh, I wish they'd let them do more of it um, because there's such positive influences uh, for all their causes, you know, and, and what, what this league does. Uh, that we get criticized a lot for a lot of other things, but there's a lot of good that's done uh, off the field by everybody. And uh, for me, you know, a voice for children, that's very important. Bruce, your offense has evolved over the years. You've been, been at it for a long time. Uh, this is the first year with this group. How much of it have we really been able to see since they're just getting their first glimpse of it? Right? Yeah, I, I mean, it's, it's growth every week, you know. Last week, finding Burchard and, and OJ um, popping into the picture, you know. Um, you've always got Mike and Chris. And, and I, I liked where the backs have been in the passing game. And uh, finding each piece, you know, de- developing matchups every week for them um, and watching them grow, is, it's been fun. With Mike, with Mike Cleats, how much does it allow you to kind of get a window into, you know, your your players, their minds, the things that they're passionate about? And they care about? Yeah, yeah, it's 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 fun. It's uh, you know, there's a lot of them were out there today breaking them in, and uh, so yeah, it's uh, you ask about them, and uh, 
It might be an aunt, it might be a grandmother, it might be somebody in their family who had some disease, or there's other things that uh, that are very, very pop, you know. Uh, each guy has foundations and uh, and what they do off the field, like Jameis and Chris and all those guys. You talked about being around this league a long time and, and mentoring guys with struggles on and off the field, but going back to kind of like the causes and the things that players are really passionate about off the field, is that some of the best conversations that maybe you've had with players over the years? Yeah, that's that's the that's the development of relationships that's that lasts a long time. You know, I've, I've got so many guys that I've coached and I'm still really really close to some of them are turning 60 and uh, it's it's scary but uh, you know it uh, it that's what that's why you you're in this business you sat down with with ownership um, this week and they asked you for an evaluation of uh, number three um, would you say unequivocally um, he's our guy uh, going forward I'm gonna pass on that one I'm just I'm gonna wait till the end of December and uh, there's there's been really 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 good, and there's some been really really bad, and you know I'm just gonna pass until it's over, and uh, and then we'll make a decision.